You're listening to the St John's Diamond Creek Podcast. This episode presented by Senior Minister Tim Johnson. Today's reading comes from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 to 22. Therefore remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Revelation chapter 7 verse 9 and Revelation 22 verses 1 and 2. English and Yamplatok, Torres Strait Creole. After this, I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, every tribe, people and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Up to Demting, I will look not a kind plenty people, it too much, I can't count him. Dem people only come from every different country and from every family line and from every people and from every language all the world. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. Everybody even wear a white calico and carry lip blown palm tree, lo an blown dempla, and dempla even sun up run, lo da trom, and a small sip. Revelation 22, verses 1 and 2. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. 
down the middle of the great street of the city. Now, that angel here, Amy been saw me one river where Amy sign was glass. And this river, it got the water, it give life. Amy ran come outside from the train blown God and blood a small sip. And Amy ran go down melon blood a main road long this city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. And even God tree I give life, cover two side blood a river, the tree being give life, sake fruit, 12 times every year. Every month, the tree give life, sake press fruit. And them live not the tree, them people, not every country, no well, only use him for medicine. Back in my uni days, very long time ago, I spent an entire afternoon with a bunch of fellow students doing a very long, boring and repetitive experiment. Uh, we had to take observations every 30 seconds. And so one person held a stopwatch and every time it ticked over to the 30 second mark, they said, now, so that the other students could make the observation. Well, as the afternoon ticked on and we got more and more bored, we tried to find ways to entertain ourselves. And so we introduced a game to spice things up. I don't know how that impacted the quality of the scientific experiment, but it was a bit like the game Truth or Dare, where you'd get asked a question by the other students, and instead of saying now when the stopwatch ticked to 30, you gave a one-word answer to the question. And when I was holding the stopwatch, I was asked the question, what is the meaning of life? 30 seconds to come up with an answer to that profound question, and one word only to answer such a complex question. And as the seconds ticked over to 30, I said, relationship. Now, I've said some dumb things over the years, but I still look back at that over 25 years later and think that that was a pretty good answer to that question. And it certainly stimulated good discussion with the other students in the room. What do you mean the meaning of life is relationship? And I was able to explain that I was talking about relationship with God, our creator, who made us and loves us, but also relationships with other people. You see, relationship lies at the heart of the Christian faith. Jesus himself taught that the two great commandments are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength and to love your neighbour as yourself. Relationship with God, uh, the vertical, and relationship with other people, the horizontal, both of those things are core to our meaning and our purpose as human beings. God created us for relationships. He wants to be in relationship with us himself, but he wants us also to live out our relationships with one another. 
Now, the trouble is that we humans wreck relationships. The nature of sin means that relationships get broken and destroyed. We break the relationship with God because we reject his good and loving rule and care of us. So sin enters that relationship and damages that. But sin also impacts our relationship with one another. We, we lie to each other, we're violent, we're deceitful, and we're indifferent to the needs of those around us. And that damages the relationships with each other. So we're made for relationship, but we damage relationship. And that's why we need reconciliation. Reconciliation is about restoring broken relationships. Reconciliation is about enemies becoming friends again and living in forgiveness and love with each other. Reconciliation is about divided parties being reunited and living as a united community together. And reconciliation is one of the key ways that the Bible speaks about what Jesus has done for us. Uh, Jesus, who is God the Son, uh, comes down from heaven and unites himself with humanity. He takes on a human body, to live amongst us in community. He dies on the cross to deal with our sin, to deal with the things that damage relationships. He takes that on himself so that relationships can be repaired. And he rises from the dead, defeating the power of sin and death, the great breaker of relationships, so that we can live in hope and restored relationship. So the gospel can be described in terms of reconciliation. Reconciliation uh, with God comes through Jesus, but then we are to live in reconciled relationships with each other. Uh, we're called to be ambassadors for reconciliation in Jesus Christ. Well, today in our services, we're marking Reconciliation Week here in Australia. Uh, so we're focusing on the restoring of relationships, both the vertical, what it means to be in restored relationship with God, but also the horizontal, what it looks like to live in restored relationships with each other. And we're thinking particularly as Australians, what does that look like in terms of relationships between Indigenous and non-Indigenous people in this country? We're part of a shared history together in Australia, uh, and we need to think about the reality of that. You see, relationships are contextual. We all live in different relationships and we're all impacted by how the relationships we've lived in have gone. Um, you know, if there's been a break in a relationship in your family or with friends, uh, then you need to do something about it. Uh, and that's the reality for us as Australians, given the shared history, the shared story we have in this country. The reality is that the uh, arrival of Europeans in 1788 had an impact on Indigenous people that still has lasting effects today. Uh, the loss of traditional lands, the decimation of the Aboriginal population through uh, war and through disease, the removal of Aboriginal children from their homes as part of the stolen generation, the disruption to culture, uh, persistent teaching that Aboriginal people were an inferior race uh, 
which sadly was sometimes even taught from pulpits and in missions. The institutionalization of Aboriginal people, the removal of uh, liberty, the removal of power, leading to a dependence of Aboriginal people on white people. All of those things has had an impact, which means that there are still significant gaps in the experience of Aboriginal and non-Aboriginal people in Australia today. Now, that's not to say that there hasn't been positive steps taken over the years. There has been. So, for example, the apology to the stolen generation by Kevin Rudd in 2007 was a good example of steps taken for reconciliation, a really important step that we needed to take as a nation. And there have been positive things that have happened over the years. But the reality is that the extent of the damage that has been done is not easily undone. And so the work of reconciliation is an ongoing task and calling for all of us. There's still gaps in the experience of Indigenous and non-Indigenous people in Australia today. There's gaps in areas like health, life expectancy, education, rates of imprisonment, access to employment and more. So two examples. Indigenous children are twice as likely to die before they reach the age of five than non-Indigenous children. You know, for the parents out there with small children, that's a, that's a stunning statistic that for Indigenous people, their children are twice as likely to die before they reach the age of five. If we think about our prison population, Indigenous Australians make up more than 20% of the people who are in prison in Australia, even though they're only 3% of the total population, they are drastically overrepresented in our prisons. Uh, these are realities, realities of what life in Australia is like today. And so it's a challenge for us to think through, what does that mean for us? What does it mean for us as followers of Jesus that these realities exist in our country? Well, our Bible reading uh, from the book of Ephesians is all about reconciliation. It's about reconciliation with God, the vertical dimension, and reconciliation with each other, the horizontal dimension. The Ephesian church was made up of, of Gentiles, uh, non-Jews. And so it deals with the break in relationship between Jewish people and non-Jewish people, Jews and Gentiles. Gentiles were considered outsiders. They were considered unclean by Jewish people. They were outsiders. Those two groups wouldn't even sit down to have a meal together. And Paul talks about the reality of this status as outsiders in verses 11 and 12. He says, Therefore remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. So vertically, they were separated from Christ and they were without God. That relationship didn't exist. But horizontally, they were not part of the people of Israel. 
They were outsiders, they were foreigners, and they were cut off from the promises that God had made to the nation of Israel. But everything changes because of Jesus. Verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Everything changes in Jesus. Reconciliation is achieved in Jesus and by the blood of Jesus. So on the cross, we're told, Jesus meets all of the requirements of the Jewish law. He does it himself and then he passes on the benefit to others, whatever nation group they come from, which means that everyone can be part of the people of God. And when people unite themselves to Jesus, they're brought into a relationship with God. But when they unite themselves to Jesus, they are necessarily united to other people who are also united to Jesus together. Now, this is no small step. Jews and Gentiles had centuries of broken relationships, mistrust and separation. Paul in our passage calls it a barrier, a dividing wall of hostility. That is a serious business. But Jesus destroys the barrier and he makes the two groups one. He creates a wonderful new and united community. Listen to the language that is used to describe the new reality for people as they come to Jesus. He says his purpose was to create one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And he says, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. In Jesus, there is unity and peace. In Jesus, there is one new humanity. In Jesus, we're one family. That's a present reality. As followers of Jesus, we are united together with people from all over the world, no matter what the skin colour, no matter what we look like, no matter what language we speak, there is a new humanity that has been created in Jesus. Now, we might not always live that out perfectly in practice. We don't. But that is the reality that exists because of everything that Jesus has done through his life, his death and his resurrection. And you see, in Jesus, this reality which is lived out imperfectly now, will be seen as the future reality, which is seen perfectly and lived out um, exactly. So last week, uh, when we were looking at the book of 2 Peter, uh, Kirk spoke about the return of Jesus and the hopes that we have for everything being restored when Jesus comes back. And in verse 13 of 2 Peter 3, we read these words. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. Kirk reminded us that righteousness is about right relationships. Right relationship with God and right relationship with each other. That is the future where we're heading to. That's what's going to happen when Jesus comes back. And this same future has always been spelled out in the book of Ephesians. Back in Ephesians 1.10, Paul wrote that God's ultimate purpose in Jesus is to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. 
And we get a beautiful picture of what this looks like in terms of reconciled relationships and people coming together in Christ in the readings that we had from Revelation 7 and 22, which we had read both in English and in Yampalatok, um, Torres Strait Islander Creole. The great multitude from every nation, tribe, people and language together around the throne of God and the tree of life bringing healing to the nations, healing to the brokenness, to the division, to the things that have caused mistrust and a break of relationships. That's where we're going. That is the reality of the future from us. That is what God is doing and we will live that reality for all eternity when Jesus returns. So if that's where we're going, and if Jesus has done all of this through his life, his death and his resurrection, then it's got to shape our present actions as well. We need to think what it looks like for us to be reconcilers and to live in reconciled relationships, what it means for us to bring healing and justice, what it looks like for God's kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. So what does that mean for us as a church? Well, again, let me make the point that reconciliation is necessarily contextual. Right? Paul is applying things here to Jews and Gentiles because that's the people he was speaking to in the church he was writing to. And he talked about the outworking of the gospel for those two groups, what it meant for them. Uh, again, if you have broken relationships in your family or broken relationships in friendship networks, then the call of the gospel to be a reconciler of relationships means you have to do something about offering forgiveness or saying sorry yourself in order to work to restore those relationships as far as it is possible for you to do so. But reconciliation also applies to larger groups as well. And it's contextual depending on the society we live in and the history that we share together. So if you uh, live in Rwanda and you're a Tutsi or a Hutu, Right? Well, reconciliation has a particular application for you because of the violent history between those two groups and the hatred that has existed. There's, a, there's an application of the gospel for those groups and for those people in that nation. But as Australians, there is also a call to reconciliation for us and a particular application for us because of the history that I described earlier a terrible history where great atrocities were committed and where great damage was done. We need to know the reality of what happened. We need to tell the truth about it and not try and sweep it under the carpet. We need to acknowledge the realities of the past. Now that doesn't mean wallowing in it. We can't actually change what has happened in the past. But we can, by an honest owning of this reality, uh, better understand why problems still exist in the present and be encouraged to step forward into the future with humility, gentleness and a willingness to listen. Uh, sometimes people say things like, yes, I know that bad things happened, but I didn't do it. I wasn't there. 
and that's absolutely true. But as Christians, uh, the Bible teaches us to have a bigger sense of, of corporate responsibility. Uh, Christian people should have a much stronger sense of corporate responsibility than your average individualistic Australian. The Bible speaks about uh, community sins and community benefits. Right? We can't distance ourselves from the past. We, we weren't there, um, but we need to think about the benefits perhaps that we enjoy today because of what happened in the past. So our church building here at St. John's is built on Wurundjeri Woiwurrung land. Uh, they were the custodians of this land for over 60,000 years. They lived on the land and they cared for it for that time. Our church had members of the stolen generation seated in the pews. And there's still a grief among some of our older members that they were told by their parents and others not to play with those children because they were Aboriginal children. We can't just say, this isn't to do with us. We can't just say, it happened in the past, forget about it. It's part of our story. We need to acknowledge it in order to own it and in order to move forward. I'm going to play a video now where Uncle Pastor Ray Minikin speaks about reconciliation. Uh, this is a, a three-minute clip from a much longer video where Bianca Manning from Common Grace is in a Zoom conversation with three Aboriginal leaders speaking about reconciliation and what it means. We're coming in partway through a conversation that's taking place, and it's a Zoom conversation, so you'll see four faces around the screen. Uncle Pastor Ray is a community chaplain based out of St John's Anglican Church in Glebe in Sydney. Uh, he's down in the right-hand bottom corner of the screen. And he introduces, in speaking about reconciliation, the idea of reconciliation action plans or RAPs. So, yeah, the, the challenge of reconciliation is very huge. And uh, the, we're the only nation on the planet, actually, that has some kind of a template of reconciliation that comes out of the Council for Reconciliation. And just as a backdrop to that, too, remember that the Council for Reconciliation came out of a Royal Commission back in 1985. It was the Royal Commission into Black Deaths in Custody. Now, to me, that's a failed uh, investigation into the deaths in custody of our people because we're now looking at 500 since that handing down of that Royal Commission of our people who have died in custody, both male and female. And so it's, it's a very challenging time for us as Indigenous peoples, as Indigenous Christians, to actually think through these, these particular major political, social and theological issues and see how we fit into the, way, the ministry as well as the message of reconciliation in our own communities and in our nation. So we've got this template. We're the only country in the planet that's got a template for reconciliation. Reflect, innovate, um, what's the other one? 
stretch and elevate. And that acronym is very important. And I've done, you know, a number of rap plans for, for, for a number of organizations. It's a starting point. It's not the end point. And for them, they're, you know, they're looking at ways of making their um, companies a lot more user-friendly for Aboriginal people, and that's good. But isn't it interesting that when you look at the rap plan for that and the rap plans that we have for churches, we should not even have one if we've got the ministry and the message of reconciliation and we're doing that in action. The big challenge for us is how do we engage with our non-Indigenous brothers to, and sisters to make this message real to them in terms of their relationship to Indigenous Australians as well as to others because we're now in a multicultural uh, society which I prefer to call it a multinational society. It's not a multicultural society because these people come from different nations and they come into a country that is full of different nation groups. The Wiradjuri nation is different to the Kabi Kabi nation, different to the Walpuri nation. This is a multinational country. So somehow we've got to change the language to what we mean, because if we say that we're from these particular nation groups, then we're automatically, and if we say we are Christians, we're automatically ambassadors for Christ from those particular regions, and we need to then act appropriately and act accordingly. Now, what Uncle Pastor Ray says there uh, is true, that if we're living out the gospel, if we're putting into practice what Jesus calls us to, to do, to be ambassadors of reconciliation, then we don't actually need a reconciliation action plan. Um, well, it's true also that if we're living out the ethics that Jesus teaches us, then we don't need things like codes of conducts in our churches as well. But sadly, we know that we do need those things because we don't always do what Jesus calls us to do. And for the same reason, a reconciliation action plan is necessary and helpful because it articulates particular actions that we as a church want to take together. Uh, the framework uh, that Uncle Pastor Ray talks about there uh, of reflect, innovate, stretch and elevate is the framework that we're using. And we're at the first stage of that. We're at the reflect stage, which is Step one, it's about listening, it's about learning, it's about going on a journey of education together so that we can understand what reconciliation initiatives we might need to do in the future. So that's the reality that the, the wrap that we're introducing today is, is largely about listening and learning. Um, it's a short-term plan, it's more like 12 months, and most of the actions in it will be completed in the course of 2022. So it's about a journey of learning together and thinking, what will we do next? Now, within our wrap, we've developed that using a tool that has been put together called Walking Alongside. It's been put together by Reconciliation Australia and World Vision, and it's specifically for churches and Christian organisations. And it groups uh, actions within the plan in three categories, 
relationships, respect, and opportunities. Uh, relationships is about how do we develop relationships and strengthen ties with Indigenous Australians, both locally and further afield. Respect is about growing in our understanding of Indigenous culture and being respectful of it. And opportunities is about how can we partner with um, Indigenous people in terms of advocacy and development initiatives. And so we frame things in these three categories and we've got 10 actions that we want to undertake. I'm not going to outline all of those here, you can read them and some of them we've actually already done and one of them I'm doing right now as we celebrate Reconciliation Sunday together. But I do want to highlight three actions that are upcoming to encourage you uh, to really get involved and to take them seriously. So action nine in our plan is to partner with programs that walk alongside Indigenous people. And the way we want to do this is by doing some material put out by Australians together and to do that in our life groups. Australians Together is explicitly Christian and it looks at the outworking of the gospel in terms of reconciliation as we've been talking about today. Uh, it's four videos, they're 30 minutes in length. They are honest and truthful, a great way to learn. And they are also hopeful and absolutely centered on Jesus throughout. I think they are absolutely brilliant and they're not to be missed. So we're encouraging every single life group to do this together. Um, and if you're not in a life group, those same materials are available that you can do on your own or with your family. Uh, you can download the videos at Australians Together. We'll put a link to that. Um, and there's DVDs if you'd prefer that. We've got available at church that you can borrow. Action 7 encourages us to participate in local Indigenous events. Uh, and so on the 19th of June, we're planning an outing together to do the Gawa Resource Trail. Um, and we've invited um, Uncle Dave Wandon, who's a local Indigenous elder, to speak with us uh, as we do that together, as a way of, of learning and growing together. Action six speaks about acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land where our church is situated. Now, acknowledgement is, it's an act of respect, right? Uh, we often acknowledge the hard work that volunteers put in as a way of respecting the reality of the work that they have done. And so an acknowledgement is about acknowledging the reality that Indigenous people lived here before us. They cared for the land. They did it for a very, very long time. They're the longest living culture on our planet. And we're acknowledging that this wasn't empty land before white people came here. Uh, it wasn't terra nullius, as was sometimes claimed. It's about truth-telling and it's about respect. Uh, and there's great models for doing this in an explicitly Christian way, as well as a culturally respectful and appropriate way. We recognise that people have different views about this. Uh, where do you do it? How do you do it? How often do you do it? Uh, and so parish council need to work out the specifics of this and they'd welcome your input as they do that. I'm really proud of the reconciliation action plan that we've produced. But in handing this out, distributing this to you, it's not the end of a process, you know, job done, nothing else to do. 
It's actually the start of a process. It's an invitation to us as a church to be on an ongoing journey together as we follow Jesus as our Lord and our Saviour. Because in Jesus, we are united together as one people and one family. In Jesus, we will be gathered around the throne with people of every nation, tribe, people and language, celebrating all that Jesus has done for us. And in Jesus, we're called to be ambassadors for reconciliation, that people might know what it looks like to live in a restored relationship with God and that people might live out that reality in restored relationships with each other. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek.